Has it ever occurred to you just how incredible grapes are? Now think about it. That little box of raisins your mother packed in your lunch bag was the only fruit that qualified as a dessert. And consider this. When we hear juicy gossip, we say we heard it through the grapevine. We didn't hear it through the apple tree or the berry bush. Grapes are so darn special that the grocery store expects us to snitch a few to ensure quality control. Try doing that with a banana or a pineapple. Admit it, every encounter you've ever had with grapes has been positive. That's why we created Grape Encounters, a place for adults to hang out and focus on the paramount achievement of grapedom. Delicious, irresistible wine. Wine brings people together. It starts conversations. It makes us happy. In fact, wherever there are grapes, there's gorgeous scenery, very cool people, and plenty of laughter. All that being said, let's bring out your guide for this journey. The Wizard of Wine, the Gangster of Grape, David Wilson. It's time for your weekly grape encounter, and I'm going to tell you what, I had an experience before coming on the air. It was kind of out of the twilight zone for me a little bit. Not that it was bad, it was wonderful to be precise, but it's just something that you don't experience every day. I got to tell you about it, but first I'm going to tell you about the people who are with me in the studio today because it's all tied together. So as you know, I'm in Italy, you know. Life has changed a lot, and I'm living in a 500-year-old apartment, and there are church bells that go off at precisely uh, 7 o'clock in the morning, and they don't stop for a while because it means get up and go to work. (laughs) But I came here because I had met somebody through the show, Piero Pavone, and he is this incredible man who's doing incredible things. He's what I call a preservationist because he is bringing back this amazing method of making wine, but then he's also restoring palaces, and he's just got all this stuff going on, and it's just super interesting. And I also have here somebody who I just met, and he's going to be a regular cast member for sure, and his name is Marino Cardelli, and he just became a level three psalm. Note, that's a big deal, a really, really big deal. He's Italian too, and you probably got that from the name, but he also has a tour company, and it's called Experience Bella Vita, and he is doing exactly, and I mean exactly, what I wish all of us would participate in all over the world, not just in Italy, not just in California, but anywhere you go, when you're doing a wine thing, when you're doing a food thing, you've got to do it the Merino way. So first, I'm going to welcome you, Marino, because this is your first time on the show. Say hello to everybody. Ciao a tutti. Hello, everyone. And thank you, David, for having me today. You're very welcome. And just so you know, the audience doesn't speak Italian, but... (laughs) We'll throw a little bit in. Piero, believe it or not, this is the first time that you and I have been in the studio together. Yes. Ciao a tutti again. Ciao a tutti. It's a simple word. Everyone knows it's Italian, but it's hello, everyone. It's like like goodbye, too, though, right? You could say it either way, right? Yes. I'm always concerned when to say ciao and when to say buongiorno. Buongiorno. That's a little more formal. In the morning, of course, you need to say buongiorno because it's more elegant somehow. You give the good day, no? Yeah. But if you meet the second times, you can just say ciao. Okay. Mm. 
Yeah. And what's really crazy is when you walk down the street, everybody acknowledges everybody, it seems like, right? Is that about right? Yeah. It's just polite, right? Is that what you're saying? Consider that because of the COVID, now the people have more distance. So you you are not seeing what we used to do commonly, you know? Still, there is people who are a little bit scared, you know, to talk too much. Didn't you you Mm -hmm. used to kiss each other on the cheeks and stuff like that? We used to do it. Last time was two years ago, probably. Really? Okay. <laughs> I, keep wait- I, I thought I was going to come here and then I, I was going to get kissed on the cheek a lot by beautiful Italian women. But and anyway, it's that's going to happen. Don't worry. Let's wait right. a few months. Okay. Well, the thing that happened that I thought was really super cool and it, it just you don't have this happen in the U.S. Not very much, at least, is you called me. We were getting ready to go on the air, but it was like an hour before. And you call me up and you go, David, would you like to come over and have some coffee at Lena's, which is just like three doors down from the studio here. And I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, because people have coffee like about 47 times a day in Italy, but it's only, <laughs> it's like an eyedropper full. Mm. That's it. It's just like yes, a, y- yes. you, you could fill a thimble. Okay. Yes. You, you cannot wait too much like you do in the US. No, you, you need to wait five minutes before it became cold. No, you just take the coffee, drink, and that's all. Yeah. You guys don't have what we have in America, which is called the big gulp. No. The big gulp. And you just like, it's like, you know, 42 ounces or whatever it might be. But anyway, I walk over there and the really fun thing is that Marino was here. He had just got here a little early. We're going to do some other stuff and talk. And so I said, come on, Marino, come with me. We go over there and this there's this crowd outside. And I mean, honestly, there was this crowd of people. I don't know what what you are, like the piped piper of Autry, but everybody that was anybody was out there all huddled together ordering coffee. And we just had this sort of spontaneous coffee party. Marino, was that unusual or is that just what happens here? For me, it was unusual because it doesn't happen every day, you know, to meet all those people. We were 15, uh, 17 people. I was not expecting that, you know, Piero Piero said just for a coffee and uh, we, we met uh, 16 people which was amazing how did you it's, get, quite, how did, it's how, quite common honestly now it, it, well in, with you maybe not with me I think it's quite common in small towns like here uh, of course in the winter uh, it's not so common because people don't used to go out too often but because this February looks like the spring, today yeah. it's a very warm day, so everyone loves to go out. Yeah. And then everyone loves to meet David, to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say that, okay? But it was, very, it was very charming and flattering that so many people came to say hello. That was wonderful. Yeah. And what was also wonderful was there were a number of English-speaking people there. And yeah. gosh knows, I'm looking for those people. You don't know how much I appreciate Marino being here. Thank you. And I was surprised as well that, uh, you know, many people spoke English because you know that here are not many people. They speak English uh, in in these places. So the bigger message here, okay, I know we're talking about Italy a little bit, but I, I want to kind of move on to the larger picture, which is the whole purpose of this radio program has always been to get away from the snobby pretentiousness. I always am afraid, Marino, to talk about pretentiousness around a sommelier, because if anybody is capable of pretentiousness, it might be a sommelier. But the whole purpose of this show is for the 90% or 95% of people who don't want to sit and talk about all the details. They don't really want to memorize all the regions and varietals and learn everything there is to learn about acid and tannins. and all. I mean, it's good to know all these things, but the point of that that whole thing that just happened was that people were gathering around community. And, you know, it would be like if we all got together and all we did was talk about the coffee. You know what I'm saying? And yes. we never got to 
the real important things in life. And by the way, you don't like coffee or Italian coffee, which is really weird, Marino. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. You know, I, I like kind of American style coffee, but we will speak about that another time. One of these days, what we're going to do on this show, and I definitely want to have you guys participate because you don't like coffee, you love coffee, is, and I'm pointing at Piero for the second one, is do a coffee and wine pairing because they actually do do that. Some people have done it and I've participated and it's really way fun because there's a lot of similarities between coffee and wine and the people who taste coffee and they're coffee tasters just like wine tasters and they're looking at the same things the toastiness the acid sweetness even things like that are you a coffee connoisseur piero are you fussy about your coffee of course but matching the coffee with the wine is a bit complicated so first question do you put sugar in the coffee or you don't put sugar in the coffee so so, so my answer is complicated okay with the smallest espresso they always serve it with either a sugar cube or a packet of sugar and i do use that usually mm. but when i get up in the morning now and i use my mocha pot which i just love mm. I think the way that they make coffee in Italy with the mocha pot is brilliant because it just completely eliminates those plastic pods that we're obsessed with using in America. You have them here. They're, they're Nescafe makes them, I think, is the big company. We have many. We have Lavazza. We have uh, oh, many yeah, other that's brands. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. The coffee is actually good in those things, but it really disturbs me that we have all that plastic that's going into landfills and things like that. So that bothers me a bit. But, but the mocha pot is a really efficient and delicious way to make coffee, I think. And, and I think everybody should have one in the world. It should be required. If you're a coffee drinker, you should be required to own one and at least try it once because if you try it once, you'll be yeah, addicted to it. The answer to your question is though, in the morning, I'll either drink it black or I'll put in whole cream, a little bit of whole cream, not steamed milk, but I like the whole cream, mm -hmm. just a dash. The one that we call with the spuma. It's yes. Like, it, yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then in the afternoon, I like it black with a little bit of sugar, but sometimes we'll order cappuccino. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm not supposed to do that in the afternoon. It's wrong, mm -hmm. right? But I don't really care. I plead ignorant. Yeah, for sure. Having a lunch with cappuccino is something not allowed. But if you want to have after, why not? Yes, it's not, <laughs> it's not allowed. <laughs> All right, we're in the studio. This is our first time we've had guests in the studio. We've got Piero Pavoni. He's responsible for transporting me from California to Italy. And then our tour guide forever now is going to be Marino Cardelli. And he's got a great company, but we've got to take a little break right now. We'll be right back with more Grape Encounters. Stay with us, gang. You're listening to Grape Encounters with David Wilson. We offer something for everyone. Unfortunately, we're not allowed to offer free wine. That's what your friends are for. At MM Organics, we're surrounded by health nuts. That's because we're obsessed with lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, and the risk of cancer. We want to make weight loss easier and help you strengthen everything from your heart to your teeth, nails, and hair. Full disclosure, those health nuts are actually dry-farmed heirloom certified organic raw walnuts. Rich with essential vitamins and nutrients, they're vastly superior to other nuts. Imagine 
Walnuts can actually lower stress and boost your brain power. No wonder MM Organics customers are so darn smart. MMOrganics.com is where you'll find our uniquely irresistible raw walnuts, walnut butter, oil and flour, sprouted flavored walnuts, and decadent fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, which pair beautifully with our legendary two horse port style wine. MMOrganics.com. Eating any other nuts is just plain nuts. Back with Grave Encounters Radio, and I'm going to do something. I'm going to make a modification to the studio here as quickly as I could possibly do it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put electrical charges, just wires in the seats here in the studio. And then when my Italian guests come in here and during the break talk nothing but in Italian, I'm going to have a little button I push. Or maybe it'll just be triggered that Siri or Alexa, you know, will hear the Italian. It'll shock your butts. Okay. And then you go, oh, (laughs) actually, truth is, is that I need to learn Italian. And that how, way, how, um, many, how many words do you know now? Probably 40. 14, okay. Yeah, 40. Because uh, I can count to 40. <laughs> so, does, does that count? Anyway, back with Grape Encounters. Guys, I want to talk about pairing for a second, okay? We were talking about pairing coffee and wine, which is kind of super interesting. But there was this article. I've got it right here. It was written by a European journalist, a woman. And it was on pairing wine and snack food, red wine and mm. snack food, okay? I literally read this at 4 o'clock in the morning because sometimes I wake up and I just check the wine news and this was on one of the blogs and I thought it was just so unimaginative. And I think, you know, if you're going to take the time to write something, then write about something that's interesting. But she's talking about 15 pairings of red wine and snack food. Okay. So she gets really super creative right out of the gate. Okay. She's got this idea. Ready? Pairing cheese and crackers with red wine. That's creative, isn't it? Wow. (laughs) That's uh, yeah, very creative. Uh Okay, cheese and red wine, it's common here, huh? Well, I know this that's the, the bureau. Yeah, that's my yeah, point. Yeah. Is is like I like duh, mm. cheese mm. and crackers and red wine. And and mm. you know, remember, crackers are just a starch, like yeah, bread. Yeah, and it's pasta. like bread, so there is not. A, yeah. yeah. So she gets really super mm. creative with the next one. Okay, she's pairing pizza bagels with Chianti or Zinfandel, which would be Primitivo here. Mm. Uh, it's the same thing, you know. What's mm. a, a pizza bagel? It's cheese and, and the starch, mm. and but there's some tomato sauce there, right? Pizza. Uh, usually yes, but you know that the, uh, we have also white base without uh, tomato. Well, I know, and, okay. I, and, and I love that. I love that. So we're gonna pair Chianti or Zinfandel. I don't know why that. I mean, those are like two completely different wines. But all right, and then the third one. And I don't think you guys know what this is because this is an American food, but it's huge. I mean, it's big. It's a cracker again, a small cracker. It's called Cheez-Its. And by the way, I'm just going to say she's in Greece, okay? So I guess they have Cheez-Its in Greece. But Cheez-Its are just a cracker that is cheese-flavored. It's a cheese-flavored cracker. So her third item is the same thing as the first two, wouldn't you say? Oh, yes. Well, um, you know, so far uh, we've been speaking about the same things. Three times. Have you had Cheez-Its, Piero? Uh, maybe not. Maybe no. Okay. All right. Then the fourth is, are you ready for this? Cheesy garlic bread paired with Merlot. So do you get the feeling that this author likes starch and cheese and red wine, right? I want to hear more. <laughs> Piero, you're just looking at me going, what's the what's the point? And, and you know, I do have a point to all of this, okay? Uh, oh, by the way, here's one. This is maybe a little different. Pigs in a blanket and Pinot Noir. Do you know what pigs in a blanket are? No. 
Did you eat pancakes? Ever eat pancakes for breakfast? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so a pig in a blanket is you take a piece of sausage and then you roll it up in the... In the pancakes. In okay. the pancake, yeah. So that's... So sweet, con- sweet and... Uh, I didn't know that... I mean, in America, that's a breakfast food mm-hmm. and it's usually for kids. Kids mm-hmm. order pigs in a blanket, you know? It's like one of those exciting things that parents make for kids. And I actually love pigs in a blanket mm-hmm. myself, but Pinot Noir, not so much. And by the way, and I've never asked you guys this, so I've got to ask you right now. Do you like Pinot Noir? Because I'm going to tell you... Even though the world thinks Pinot Noir is the most important wine, a lot of the world, okay, I know, thinks Pinot Noir is God-given wine, I really don't care for it too much. How about you guys? I personally like it. It does its elegance, you know, tannins are not so strong. So, you know, for a change uh, <laughs> in my habits, uh, then I like it. Okay, how about you? Uh, for sure, it's not my... I'm not a fan of Pinot Noir. But I, I agree that it's really good and important grapes and that you can make so many... You can blend in so many ways. So, yes, well, I, I think, think I think it's a, a very good wine, even if for me it's not my favorite. So, But I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of Pinot Noir made in California and it's considered to be quite good. And there's a lot of Pinot Noir made in... Oregon, the state of Oregon, and it's considered to be very, very good. But I actually like the Pinot Noirs from France. I really do. Of course, they don't call them Pinot Noir there. But I think that they're more my style, actually, even though I'm more of a new world than an old world kind of a guy. But I think they're more more my style. Okay, so pigs in a blanket and Pinot Noir, and then finally onion rings. You, well, you, you you raised your eyebrows. Why is that? No, no, I'm <laughs> just thinking. Well, well, okay, so anyway, she's yeah, yeah. she's pairing onion rings with Shiraz, yeah, which maybe. we call Syrah. Why not? Why not? Are you, what, okay, so this is a tough one, okay, mm-hmm. Marino, because onions can be kind of tricky where pairing mm-hmm. is concerned. What do you think? Are onions fried? Well, these are fried onions, yes. So with fried, you usually have sparkling to take the oil away from the frying. But we are talking about red wine, right? Yeah, red wine. So maybe Lambrusco. Lambrusco. <laughs> okay, so so let's move on because I want to... we got just a, a couple of minutes here and then i got to take a break. But Lambrusco brings me to another topic. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a wine that is making a huge comeback. Because mm-hmm. for a long time, you didn't see it in the U.S. And now you're starting to see a lot of it again. And that is a really fun wine to pair with a mm-hmm. lot of different things. And I was talking to Marino about this earlier off microphone. I was asking him if he's... Ever had rhubarb pie. Do you know rhubarb pie? It's like a, a stalk. It's like a. It's like almost looks like a celery stalk, mm-hmm. but it's red. And then you chop it up and you cook it with a lot of sugar, and then they make a pie out of it. It's very tangy and mm-hmm. and a little bit bitter, but really delicious. That to me is like something that is a really cool pairing is rhubarb pie and lambrusco. And we were talking also about something interesting that's kind of a European phenomenon, I think. You guys eat a ton of it here, and that is Nutella, right? Nutella. What, 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 what are you, why are you correcting me? It's, it, <laughs> because it, if you say it in Italy, Nutella. N-U-T. But wait a second. How do you say walnut? you say walnut? No, of course. It should be Nutella, but we don't call it in this. Way. Okay, well, if so you go in a shop, you say Nutella, they, maybe they, they don't understand. What, what do you say then? Nutella. Nutella. All right, what do you pair with it? Good question. Uh, Nutella is so sweet, full of sugar, so I would put something with strong alcohol, but dry. Maybe some dry sherry. How about whiskey? Some <laughs> uh, Whiskey for, for, for us is not a wine. No, I, I, no I know, I know. I was just yeah. kidding. I was kidding. Uh, the sherry, the dry sherry, the dry port, something 
like this maybe okay what is maybe a, i'm wrong okay, yeah, but okay. I'm, I'm, i never tried but. okay we got we got like less than one minute but i'm going to ask you guys a question whoever wants to answer it can and somebody's got to come up with a good answer what is the most interesting pairing that you've ever had let me think about it how about you yeah, maybe the salad with vinegar it's so difficult that's a really good point because <laughs> it is difficult and i've read a number of articles <laughs> that say that a salad with vinegar paired with any wine is a disaster yes how about you? I think the same, you know, vinegar, it's hard to pair with wine, you know, maybe just drink water. <laughs> but let me ask you a question. If you pair an acidic wine with something acidic like vinegar, don't they cancel the acid out? I think you would break your mouth, but that's, I never tried. You break your mouth. <laughs> no, but it, for instance, if you're eating chocolate and then you drink something sweet, a sweet wine, the chocolate will taste less sweet. And I think the same is true with vinegar and acid. If you drink something acidic with something that you're eating that's acidic, they will cancel one another out. Honestly, I don't know. I can't imagine. I, I, need, I need to try. But I agree, for sure, you need to drink a white and with this uh, high acidity. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so that that will be the best. Okay, all right. We're going to take Chenin, a... maybe. White Chenin. Chenin Blanc, is that yes. what you mean? Yeah. Oh, I love that wine. Mm. Love it, love it. Anyway, we'll take a little break here right now. We'll be right back. We've got Piero Pavoni in here, and we have Marino Cardelli. And we're just talking about some interesting subjects that I thought we would share with you when we come back with more Grape Encounters. Smoke from increasing wildfires is tainting wine grapes, and vineyard executives are looking for new ways to adapt. Pure Fresh Wines O3 technology helps vineyards overcome the problems caused by wildfire smoke by treating grapes pre-crush to improve fermentation and overall wine quality, as well as removing smoke taint. For the typical winery, saving a full harvest of grapes with Pure Fresh Wine costs only 10 cents per bottle. O3 technology has been approved by the FDA and USDA. It leaves no residue and uses no chemicals. It provides many benefits to wineries, including the removal of sulfur, pesticides, and fungicides pre-crush, the reduction of bad bacteria and mold issues, an improvement in roundness and fruit-forward palate notes, and so much more. Most importantly, it safely and naturally breaks down smoke taint molecules to save grapes from damage. Rescue your harvest from smoke taint. Visit purefreshwine.com today. When you discover a new favorite bottle of Chardonnay, sparkling wine, or artisan spirit at Total Wine & More, you'll discover a whole lot more. Like the friendly smile of an expert guide, ready to help you find that perfect bottle. And the confidence of knowing you just found something really special. Explore the wondrous selection and totally low prices at TotalWine.com, where you'll find what you love and love what you find. Please drink responsibly. B21. All right, we're back with Grape Encounters Radio, and we were talking a few minutes ago about this article that had to do with pairing red wine with about the most boring things I could possibly imagine. And I just am bothered by the idea that there are people out there that are making just these inane suggestions when there's so much room to be creative. And I was talking to Marino about this, my sommelier guest today, and you had a very interesting observation about why 
they were probably talking about these different topics, that it was for reasons other than to really be discussing pairing wine and stuff. What was your thought? Well, I, I thought that because of the words that they used uh, and the repetition, I thought that this was built for showing up on Google just for that intent and not for giving uh, clear suggestions or, you know, a message or uh, informing, educating people. That's a really, really good point, by the way. And you, by the way, Piero, are... I agree, I agree with... Um, uh, okay, so this is a great, this is a great mm -hmm. place to drag you in because we've never talked about this on the air. But you are a high-tech guy, okay? And you have a company that, I mean, this is sort of your main thing, as a matter of fact. You have a company that deals in buying and placing ads through this really complex algorithm and uh, stuff that I absolutely don't understand. But the idea <laughs> is that you're the guy that gets yeah. these ads that follow us around and pitch all of these things to us all day, every day. Not the one that, that stress the people too much, honestly. Oh, yours don't stress people, <laughs> the okay. One, the one, the software that we have normally show just a few times... Okay. No, and then there are others that, of course, uh, have different, uh, let's say, strategies. So uh, we are not looking too much to stress people in, uh, you know, in showing ads. Okay. So, uh, but my show less, but show better, and uh, you have the same result. Okay, but you know a lot about these topics. I know, and I just worry all the time now that people are using strategies to get information in front of people that's more about getting hits getting likes and things like that and less about getting really good quality information out there. And I think Marino makes a really good point. And th what I'm finding is that you look at the keywords and things that people use to get me to read an article, which is how I came upon this article because it showed up because of keywords. And I just feel like, are we forgetting our purpose? Uh, somehow I agree, but uh, it's also true that this is what people are looking for. So there are some publishers, let's call publishers, who knows how to reach those users. Yeah. So, I mean, it's part of the Google search strategy. You are looking for something and you need to find something. Yeah. So but I agree with you in the social marketing. That's more dangerous no? because you, you need to find a way to have followers. And there are so many strategies. Most of them probably are the good one, but there are also the one that find you know yeah. weird. Okay, <laughs> well, uh, so so I was in the Pacific Northwest. I was in a motor home. We did a series of shows. We went from winery to winery, and I had to empty the sewage out of the motor home. Okay, so I go on Google and I look for a place to dump the poo. Okay, mm -hmm. and that's three years ago, right? I still, every week, I get ads for dumping poo, you know? That's because you don't you don't clean your cache. You just clean your the cache of your laptop and you will be, <laughs> you will be safe. Oh, well, that would be too simple. That would be yeah. too simple. Okay, Marino, I got to come back to you for a second because there was another thing that I read this morning that also, I, I don't know, I must be in a crabby mood or something. But last night, the three of us, along with some other friends, we went out for Arostachino, which is really good. It's lamb, not lamb, it's 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 sheep. sheep. And we don't eat sheep in America. We, we like to kill them young. We really don't eat the older sheep. But the way that you make it here is so delicious, and they put it on these little sticks. They just keep bringing the sticks, right? That's really good. So I think we were out kind of late, and we didn't get a lot of sleep. But what I wanted to talk about is that I woke up really early this morning, couldn't sleep. 
It might have been because we had a little bit of wine, too. I'm not sure. Anyway, I see the story that comes from a wine country that I'm very familiar with, okay? And it's talking about, if you come to our wine country, then you need to start by eating at this restaurant for breakfast. Then you're going to go here next, and then you're going to go to this winery over here, and then you're going to go to... And you know, it's listing all the places that I'm supposed to go. That's going to be my tour. And then I looked at that and I go, you know what? This wine country was recommending businesses for only one reason, because they were sponsoring. And so a small winery like yours, Piero, is not going to get on that list unless you cough up some some euros, right? Yes. And, and Marino, so this is what really I love about your business. And I just want to say there are your, your business is unique in one sense. But there are a lot of guys out there like you, companies out there that are young and really seeking out interesting experiences that are not on the traveled path. And so can you just talk about that for a second and why that is so important to you? Because I know that's your passion. So I, I'll tell you an example. When I go and um, and find, for example, wineries, new wineries, I always go incognito. How you say? Incognito. Incognito. So I never say who I am and what I do, but just, uh, you know, like a normal tourist would do, I would just go there, say, hey, can I have a tasting? Hey, can you tell me something about your wine? You can have a, a tour of the winery. And then if the person transfer me emotions, passion for what uh, they do, then at the end of the tour, then I present myself and we can start uh, collaborating. Otherwise, you know, you know, I never met you. <laughs> so the point is that you're being incognito because you want to see what they're really like. And if they know that you're possibly going to put them on your tour, they may put on a show for you that's not normally what they do. Yes, exactly like this. You know, I don't want them to know and to get prepared for, you know doing something different that they would normally do. And you know, the, the, something, I, I've been on a lot of tours in a lot of countries. Uh, much of the time, it had to do with wine, but I also used to lead some tours and things. And, you know, so many of those tours, you got to go, they're going to make you stop at that place that makes pottery. And I don't care about pottery. They're going to make you stay in this pottery shop for at least an hour until you buy something and then you get back on the bus and then you move down the road. And I realize that that helps to underwrite the cost. It helps to offset the cost of doing the tour. But tell me you're not doing that, okay? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Okay. You've been on tours, right? Also, yes. And don't you hate that when they, yeah, they, yeah, they drop absolutely. you off yeah. at some place? Yeah. This is a place that makes voodoo dolls. Go buy a voodoo doll and then get back on the but bus. But it's not common anymore as before nowadays. No, most of the guides they already know that you get frustrated by you know, doing this. It used to be common before, eh? no yeah, more anymore. Now. Yeah, at least here in Europe now. So one of the things I just want to stress, it's what drew me to this area. And I'm only uh, talking about this because it's what I really want to see people do now that COVID is getting at least a little bit behind us. And I noticed today there was an article about several countries, including Italy, that are really relaxing the rules about coming here now. So that's going to be really good for your business, right? Hopefully, hopefully, yes. You know, with everything that's going on in Europe now. 
without mentioning, you know, what's going on. Okay, so you guys are really tiptoeing here on this one, by the way. And I know I'm not a political show. We're not going to get political. But the first thing I did this morning was I googled how far it is between here and the new war zone. It's 1,200 miles, a little over 2,000 kilometers, something like that. Sorry, from here to? From here to the Ukraine. Ah, to the Ukraine, yes. And uh, this is really on, this is on everybody's mind, right? Right now? And it's a, I mean, it's a really big thing. I'm not home in America, so I don't really know how people are reacting there, but I know it's, it's being not, we're not that far away, right? Yeah, but not even so close. (laughs) Yeah, but we have, we have, of course, everyone here has some friends that comes from Ukraine. Oh, okay. So that's another point. You know? so I we see. We, I we see. are very close to them. Well, the nice thing about a place like where we are is that we're not, <laughs> we're not on everybody's map, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. we're going to, this is going to be like one of the 10 last places to ever get invaded, right? Yes, for sure. <laughs> and the only reason that they would invade, anybody would invade here, is to come steal all the wine, you know? <laughs> and, <laughs> and the food. And the arostachino, yes? <laughs> and don't even yes. get me, don't even get me started about Porchek. Porchetta. Oh, porchetta. <laughs> I'm sorry. I say porchetta. I want to say porchetta because it's pork, but it's, oh, no, gosh. No, the way the, it's written, like the, 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 the English pronunciation of porchetta is porchetta. So I don't even know. I have no idea how. The, hey, does your Nona make that? No, I don't know. No, we don't I usually do make porchetta. We have special people who do this. I didn't know you had to be. Well, they must be because it's the most delicious thing just about I've ever tasted. Okay, we're going to come back for one more segment. And we've got Marina Cardelli from a wonderful business called Experience Bellavita. I want to say Bella Vista because Vista is the view, but it's Bellavita, which is life, right? Exactly. And then Piero Pavone, who is the brainchild between Vinam Hadrianum, which is a wonderful project that I'm also able to get involved with. And I love it. And we'll talk more about it down the road, but not right this second, because we got to take a break on Great Encounters. Something amazing happened to me the other day at Total Wine and More. I found my new favorite Cabernet Sauvignon at a totally low price. As soon as I picked it up, it felt like, aha, I knew it was the one. So go explore their wondrous selection and you'll feel it too. Because at Total Wine and More, you'll find what you love and love what you find. Download the Total Wine app or visit TotalWine.com. But please drink responsibly. Be 21. Pavoni is here. He's sort of my current hero. I don't know if he's my hero or maybe I should blame him for my being someplace that I'm completely unfamiliar with, but it's actually been a pretty fun adventure until I was looking for toilet paper the other day. I couldn't find it. But anyway, Piero is the person who created Vinum Hadrianum, which is this wonderful wine project that is resurrecting these incredible techniques that were used to make wine 2,000 years ago. And you know, if you think that 2,000 
2,000 years ago is a long time ago for making wine. Just consider this, that they were making wine 6,000 years ago. And there's some, I think, traces of winemaking in China that go back to 8,000 years ago. What's the oldest that they've found here? I, as I know, it's 6,000 in Georgia. In Italy, maybe we can go back to 3,000. But it's so difficult to find something before. No? Yeah. We just, we just know that 2,500 years ago, we still have you know some small sculptures that show people harvesting. So for sure, it's at least 2,500. So here's a question. I'm going to first direct this question to Marino because I know what your answer is going to be, Piero. But there is a very large movement going on right now all over the world. And you're a big part of it and why it's happening. And it's the idea of aging wine in amphoras, not just aging it, but fermenting it, everything. You're seeing amphoras starting to pop up all over the place now. And I can think back literally five years ago, and it was nothing like that. But now you're seeing that. You're also seeing concrete eggs. You're seeing concrete tanks. There is a real powerful movement in the wine industry away from barrels. Not to say we're not using barrels, but we're using a lot of other stuff and techniques in addition. Tell me, Marina, your thoughts on it. I mean, he's one of the pioneers over here, but how do you feel about it? And how do you feel about the wines? I honestly think that some wineries, they are following the, the crowd using amphoras because they make them look cool. So I'm just worried about that. And uh, I'm happy that there is a movement, you know, using also concrete rather than barrels because concrete or like amphoras, they don't give you all the flavors that are not native to the grapes. So they will not extract all their flavors. That is such a great point. I think one of the really good examples of what you're talking about is Chardonnay. Because we got to a point with Chardonnay, certainly in America but in other parts of the world as well, where the influence of the wood on the wine became so powerful that you weren't sure whether you were drinking a wine or chewing on a tree branch. And so it got to a point where people just revolted against it. Then it went the other direction. We're not going to use any wood. And then people said, well, I liked a little bit of that wood. And then so now we have like three Chardonnays. We have the powerfully wooded, the moderate, and then no wood. What do you think, Piero? You're one of the guys that's really pushing this for yourself. What's different between what you're doing and what you see the rest of the world doing where amphoras are concerned? Of course, I, I love the wine stored in the barrel. So I cannot say, even if I produce in amphora, yeah. I also love the wine in the wood. For sure, talking with the other winemakers, uh, most of them, they say, we want to remove the wood because the give too much flavors sometimes i have the feeling that it's also too expensive so i don't know if it, there is also some other reason but in general yes the idea is not to remove the wood but it's also to let the wine stay longer with the skins and so get all the flavors from the skin so the idea is this if you make a uh, wine in amphora you need to have fermentation and maceration so you need to keep the, the skins longer so that's something that you cannot do normally you don't do in the in the barrel so the idea is this to have something more. Most of the producers who have barrels, it's not that they stop producing in the barrels. They add something in amphora just because they want to change a little bit the flavor of the wine. Yeah. 
So I'm not against barrels, absolutely. But I love the idea of taking everything from the grapes and leaving the grapes, as uh, the skins of the grapes as much as possible in the wine. So, so one of the things that's kind of interesting about it, I want to point out to people, because whether you're buying wines in California, you're buying wines from Australia, you're buying wines from France now. And by the way, last time I was in Bordeaux, I was very surprised at how many of the wineries, uh, the chateaus, were using tanks made from concrete. That's a big thing there, you know, and you, you kind of expect in Bordeaux, you're just going to see a whole bunch of barrels, but that's not necessarily the case. But I think what's really super interesting, and I think people should be aware of, is that you're going to be getting more and more wines that are not aged in wood. And you need to be aware of that. And you need to understand the influence of the amphoras or the concrete tanks versus the wood or stainless steel tanks. They all change the flavor. And I will tell you, I was really skeptical about the amphora thing. Really skeptical. Because I thought we were going to lose some richness because we didn't have the wood influence there. But actually, it's just the opposite. These techniques are actually bringing out a lot of flavor in certain wines. Not every wine, I think. So the jury's still out, as they say, I think, for a lot of people. But I think it's pretty cool that there's all of these different options out there now. I completely agree. Then, you know, when you produce an amphora, most of the producer they also start doing the orange wine you know what you can keep your orange wine yeah i, I don't mm-hmm. I, you know what about you an yeah. orange wine i like it i like the fact that the the skins are macerating a long time so it gives uh, like flavors that you would not normally get in a in a white wine i don't think it's the skin it's more the oxidation that the wine has that is that right the orange wine, no? Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm just not an orange wine fan. I've tasted some good orange wines, but I guess, you know what? I'm going to be honest and say, shame on me for not trying more orange wines. But they're easier to get now, so I should be tasting more of them, right? Absolutely. You should try also some orange wines from, from here and from other parts. You should give it one more go. The, okay, the, the border between the the white with the long maceration and the orange is very close. So uh, it's, it's difficult sometimes to say, is it an orange or it's a white wine? And I know, that, I know there's some people that are saying, what are you talking about? You're making wine out of oranges? No. Mm. Uh, they, they call them orange wines because the white wines, they keep the wine on the skins for a long period of time. And it imparts kind of a, there is some color to a white grape and it comes, comes out kind of orange. It's it, Seldom are they really orange, but they call them orange wines, and it's kind of a fad. But that's uh, going to do it for today, fellas. And I did want to say this because we mentioned the Ukraine a few minutes ago, and I do want to say that this show is definitely going to go visit some of those neighboring countries as soon as we're able to do that. And I say neighboring, but up in, in that area, in Eastern European countries, I'm dying to go to Moldova. I'm dying to go to Georgia. These places make amazing wines, but you don't really get to taste them very often. Have you had them? Never. I'd love to. You come with me? Oh, absolutely. Come on. After, you know. Oh, he's going to wait a little bit. Well, just bring a bulletproof vest. You'll be fine. Would you like to go as well? I have never been in Moldova, but yeah, I would love it. I would love it. All right. Okay. So we've got a field trip planned. That's going to do it for Grape Encounters. Many thanks to Piero Pavoni, not just for being on the show, but for the dinner last night that was amazing and for influencing me, not just with amphoras, but a life change. And then you, sir, are going to be somebody we're going to talk to a lot. So many thanks to Marino Cardelli and website. Experience Bella Vita. ExperienceBellaVita.com. Okay. And also GrapeEncounters.com. And also VinumHadrianum.com. Okay. So do that. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.
Are you following Grape Encounters on social media yet? You're not? Well, you should be. It's the best way to hear the latest, juiciest, unfiltered wine stories. It's also the single best way to keep our unpretentious, decidedly different wine conversations going strong. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Grape Encounters. For tons of content on Facebook, you'll want to join our Grape Encounters radio group page. Or if LinkedIn is more your thing, connect with me by typing Grape Encounters Radio or Grape Encounters David in the search bar. Here's the deal. The more you click, the more I'll pour.